little Johnny's father caught him in a lie. And he asked him, he said, Johnny, don't you know the difference between right and wrong? And Johnny said, I do, I do know. Then why do you keep making the wrong choices? He says, Dad, I know. And here you thought it was all basically teamwork. Just work there. Sin is a challenge for all of us. We all know that every day we're dealing with sin. We know that Johnny, like little Johnny and, and Johnny's dad, had to deal with sin there, as the story showed. Sin is something that we all face day in and day out. According to the Christian Bible reference site, the word sin, or those of variants of the word sin, is found 400 times in the Bible indicating that sin is a serious subject that the Bible talks about. We all understand that sin is, is wrong. We understand that sin, in, in any way you look at it, God sees sin as wrong because we're disobeying his commandments. It's never okay to sin, and it's never a good reason to commit to sin. There's no such thing as a little sin, and yet we all aware of that, and yet we all sin. There's a powerful force, and that's what for the next few minutes I'd like to talk about today, a powerful force known as Satan. It says in, in Job chapter 1, verse 7, that he is roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. So we know he's everywhere. He knows he's walking around at it. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The apostle records Jesus saying about Satan, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And what we know is Satan is extremely good at what he does. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, For our struggles is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces, of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness, wickedness in the heavenly places. Satan is an enemy. Satan is a dangerous enemy. Satan is a powerful enemy, and he hates anyone that strives to obey God. If you would, if you got your Bibles open to Revelation chapter 12, look at verse 7 with me. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with, his, with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, and the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and the angels were thrown down with him. We don't think much about a war going on in heaven because it's a place where we want to be. We think of a place where there's not going to be a war. We think of a place where there's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be any sorrow, and there's not going to be any challenges and difficulties. But John tells us here that the battle in heaven is between two forces, and Satan lost, and he wasn't just removed from heaven. It says here that he was thrown out of heaven. The one called the dragon, and the one that we know in, in Genesis chapter 3 as a serpent, his name is Satan. But he's also known as the devil. 
But Satan is a force that we have to deal with. And he is one that is coming after you and I. What we know is the power of God is always greater than the power of evil because God is a source of all that is good. But Satan is a force, and we need to be reckoned with it. We need to be acknowledging that he, that he is a force, a powerful force, one that we cannot take lightly because deceives the world, the whole world, verse 9 says, is doing what the Bible says God hates. Turn with me, you would, to Proverbs chapter 6, if you would. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 16. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. There are six things which the Lord hates, yet seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hand that shed innocent bloods, a heart that deceives wicked plans, feet that run rapid to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and the one who spreads strife amongst his brother. Two things that were mentioned that relates to deceit that God hates, a lying tongue and a false witness who utters lies. Psalms chapter 101 verse 7 says, He who practices deceit shall not dwell in my house. But that's not all that Satan does. Yes, he is the master of deceit. But that's not all that he does. Look, if you would, in Job's chapter 1 with me. Turn with me in Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Look what he says in chapter, or verse 12. Job chapter 1, verse 12. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Here we see that basically God says, Satan, you can do whatever you need to do, but you just don't touch Job. And so what does he do? Look what is the next verse there, verse 13. Now on the day when the son and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in, in their oldest brother's home, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabines attacked and took them, and they slew the Satan or the servants with the edge of the sword. And along have, uh, along have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell down from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servant and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three hands and gave a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants in the edge of the sword, and along with the, an escape to tell you. How long has escaped to tell you? While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across from the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and, I, and it fell on the young people, and they died, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Satan destroyed everything that Job had. He destroyed it by people. He destroyed it by fire. He destroyed it by wind. 
And yet if it wasn't long after that, look at chapter 2, verse 6. So I, so the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power only to spare his life. I want you to think about this. This is twice what we have read. He is in your power. He's talking about Satan. He's saying they are in your power. Job is in your power. So what does Satan do? Look at verse 7. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smoked Job with sore boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. The only thing we read here that's really dispositive is that God limits what Job can do. But it's what Job is allowed to do is what makes Satan, or is, is what Satan's allowed to do, what makes Satan so powerful. I wonder if when we read Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, when Eve's in the garden, and then all of a sudden she, she gets to that point of eating that forbidden tr- fruit, knowing that she had been warned, what does she do? She sins. She eats the fruit. Why in the world would you do that? What about God's faithfulness to the Israelites, pulling them out of slavery in Egypt? He, he parts the Red Sea. And then, during, then we read in Exodus chapter 24, verse 12, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to read, receive the law and the commandments. And it's during that time while he's up there in Mount Sinai that the Israelites are worshiping a golden calf and, and they called it God that brought them out of Egypt as we read in Exodus chapter 32, verse 4. Then in that same chapter in verse 24, Moses questions Aaron. So Aaron responds, he says, the calf just popped out of the fire. And we wonder, why would they even do that? After everything the Lord has done for them, why would they do that? Then we read over there about Judas spending all this time with Jesus. And yet we read in Matthew 27 that he betrays Jesus for 30 silver or 30 pieces of silver. And we wonder, why would you do that? Let's bring it home. We read or we see on the news a mother decides to kill an unborn child or a born child. Why in the world would you do that? A person's driving down the highway and gets cut off and goes into a rage to hurt the person. Why would you want to do that? A young man is raised up in the church and he's hanging around with the wrong people and he's waiting in the car while his new friends are robbing a store. And next thing you know, he finds himself in jail. Why in the world would you do that? See, I think our answer is found in First James, or James chapter 1. If you'll turn with me there, James chapter 1. <clears throat> because I believe the answer to why they were drawn to the sin that they committed is found right here. And this is the same with all of us. Look what he says here. We're in James chapter 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Sin starts when it's being enticed. Something has to draw a person 
to sin. You will not catch a fish unless you put the right hook or the right bait on the hook. And if you're trying to trap any kind of animal, you will not trap an animal unless you put the the what's going to please that animal. <clears throat> Just as Satan did with Eve, he seems he makes it seem more desirable. He makes it seem more appeasing. He makes it seem more harmless and more necessary. What we need to come to grips, and we know this, but what we need to be reminded of is Satan is smart, and he's very much aware of what entices you and what entices me. Turn with you would to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into the opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Well, that's exactly what Satan is enticing us to do, to turn from our freedom that Jesus Christ has given us by making these fleshly appetites more appealing. That's what he does. He wants to move us or pull us away from Jesus. Look what he says in verse 17, the same chapter. For the flesh set its desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For those who are in opposition to one another, so that you, so that you may not do the things that you please. One of the things that Satan is so powerful about is he knows what we desire. He knows what we're weak in. He knows what's going to entice us. He knows everything about us, and he keeps chipping away with us. As long as Satan can keep my mind thinking about the desires of the flesh, the more I will become lukewarm in my walk with God. For something to be enticed, there must be something that entices it. Amos chapter 3, verse 5 says, Does a bird fall into a trap on the ground when there is no bait in it? So what I want to ask you, I want you to think about, what is it that entices you? Or do you even know, what is it that you have a tendency to draw to that goes against what we are taught about? Because here's the problem is because we're all different. We're attractive to different things. There are different things that are going to lure me to the, uh, to the bait than what it would lure you. The bait must be something that is irresistible, that is alluring, that is enticing to the prey in order to lure it into the trap to be caught. That is why a person's own lust and desires are so effective and enticing someone into sin. For some of us, our lust may be just for ease. It may be the comfort, prosperity, security, pleasant, or pleasure, and self-gratification. For others, it may be the power and position, prestige, influence, and popularity and notoriety. But others, it may be about self. It may be about the lust that draws my attention for acceptance praise, admiration, approval, 
And maybe it comes down to it's the style of the day, the trend that's drawing me to Satan. Remember Ahab? He was enticed by the lust for power and conquest. And so he ignored the warning of God's prophet, Micaiah. And he chose to believe the flattery of the false prophets, resulting in the death, as we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 18, verses 12 through 34. Whatever a person's lust are, Satan will use its power to try to get us to fix our mind on them. Even to the point that rather we may walk away from lust, we will deny or minimize their sinfulness and not even give a thought about the judgment that may be behind it. Isn't that what happened to Demas? Isn't that what we read about Demas? Paul says Demas was a fellow worker in the gospel with Mark and Luke and others in Philemon chapter 1, verse 24. We read about Mark. We read about Paul. We read about these people that Demas hung out with. He was around those, the most powerful ones we think of who, who had their faith in Christ, who, who gave up their life to serve for Christ. He was around them. But Paul wrote in chapter 2, or 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, about the sad situation, Demas, because he loved his world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. See, something happened. Something happened that drew Demas away from Paul, drew him away from the ministry, drew him away where, to the point he left town. So what happened? Satan found what enticed Demas. And eventually he walked away from Christ. Do you think Demas thought he would ever walk away from Christ? You know, we try to be strong Christians. And we try to be here and study and do the best we can. But you think about Demas. Demas was around the people that we read about, Paul's letters, we read about Mark, we read about the... And yet he was around these people, and yet something was... He allowed something to draw him away from Christ. And that could be the same for us. We try to be strong, try to do everything we can to keep our faith in check, but if we, don't, if we let our guard down... Something may entice us. Something may try to pull us away. And then we're just no different than Demas. When Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, he was, the statement was pretty true. Because with Satan, there is nothing new about Satan. He still entices you with me and me and you with lust and desires and pride as John warned us in 1 John chapter 2 verse 16. For these are for the, the things of the world and not of the Father. Satan constantly, constantly is dangling whatever you are enticed to do or entices you in front of you. He constantly dangles it in front of you. I want you to think about this for a second. If you could sneak into Satan's office and take a peek at the files that he has, you might be surprised to see your name and my name 
in that file. Inside the files are all the strategies that he's tried on you and me. The ones that have worked and the ones that have failed. He doesn't waste any time, you think about it, on what fails. What he does is he, he looks at the variations of, the, of the, the temptation that he puts out there that will tempt us, that causes me and you to stumble. As long as we keep working, Satan is still going to keep coming after us. Somewhere in that file cabinet is a file labeled Tim. In this file, there's a notation that reads something like this. Subject may be prone to discouragement, especially if he becomes tired. This has worked several times before and seems a promising method of attack. Suggestion, maybe he should keep him staying busy and overcommitted and physically tired, which will limit his time with his family, but also will cause him to constantly be frustrated because he's not completing what he set out to do. So what is, what is Satan's strategy for me? He looks for ways to discourage me and possibly cause me frustration. He will use whatever people, whatever means, whatever circumstances that he can to achieve that goal. And the same thing for you. And let's just say maybe in your file, there's a frequent tempted a gossip. Maybe in that file it says he's quick to temper or prone to covenant or jealous or, he, or he's weak in the area of lust or he likes to argue when they do not get their way or they're always judgmental about others. Satan knows everything about us. He knows very well where we are weak and he will do everything he can to entice us. It's all in the file. We know that God loves us. And we know that God has a plan for us. But also Satan has a plan. And Satan has a strategy. And he's going to go after us. And he's going to do everything he can to make sure that we stumble along the way. As long as Satan is roaming the earth, we have to take to heart what Peter's warming us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Be on guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. As mentioned there by Breck and his prayer, our world is a mess. We all can agree with that. Our world is a mess, and it seems like Satan is having a field day. What I want to do today is just to give you some thoughts, to re a reminder that Satan is not finished. He is coming after us, and he will not stop and underestimate what he will do to get you and I to sin. He wants us to turn. He will do whatever it takes. He is powerful and deceitful in ways you don't even think about it. Because usually when we get caught in a sin, we don't even think about it coming about. Usually it catches us off guard. And Satan knows us, and he will go after us. So I want you to think about this as we get closer to closing out this message here. I want you to think about this. What is it that entices me? 
what, what is it that entices you? What is it that maybe is starting to pull you away from Jesus? Is it the shows? Maybe you're watching on TV. We all know that today what's shown on TV is totally different than what it used to be. Some of the things we see on TV, some of the, the language we see on TV, it's there and it's filtering into our ears and our eyes when we are watching it. Maybe it's what you're listening to. Maybe it's the music. Maybe it's this and that, whatever it is you are listening to. Or maybe it's what you're watching on the Internet or on your phone. Maybe it's what some of the apps that you have pulled up. It could be your own job. It could be the job that is causing you temptation, some of the people there. Maybe it's coming down to it's the money. Maybe money is having an influence on how you see things. Is, is Maybe it's the people I'm around. Or maybe, friends, maybe it's my attitude that's causing conflict between me and you and Jesus. Paul says something that we need to fo focus on. And I want you to worry. We've all read this. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Paul's saying, you know what? I need you to focus on this. Look what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Look what he says. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellent, and if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Why if we started today, what we watch on TV, what we listen to, what we read, what we view on the internet, what we say, the people we are around, or the attitude I have goes through Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, checklist. What if we made that our goal? That anything that we do today, we look at what Paul tells us and make that as our checklist to see if we are living what Paul recommends we should live. Because if you want to be healthy, we have to make the right choices in what we're going to feed our body. What we're talking about today, friends, is the health of our soul. This is a trial which Jesus gives to, to test any that profess Love for him. If you love me, you will commandments. John chapter 4, verse 15. For those who love Christ, his commandments are not burdensome. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For they are the joys of my heart. Psalms 119, verse 111. You know, friends, it's struggle out here in the world. All we can do is our very best to obey Jesus. We are not perfect. I'm, I'll be the first to say I'm not perfect. We fall short. We're going to stumble. That is, God knows we are going to do that. He knows that we are going to have difficulties at times in our lives, that we're going to fall, that we're going to fall short. So what we do is we recommit ourselves every day that we're going to start looking for what's enticing me so I can try to avoid it, that I can be prepared, but i got to make time to find out what it is that's enticing me. We all have some weakness. 
We all have something in us. It doesn't matter how long you've been sitting in the pews. We all have something that we can be enticed to. All we can do is strive to love Jesus, lift up our prayers in Jesus, put our faith in Jesus, and do everything we can serve. I'd like to close with Romans chapter 12. And then the lesson is yours. I want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to speak. I started looking at this here a while back, and I started looking at it because a buddy of mine, you know, kept telling me about these shows he was watching. And it seemed like a lot of people are watching them. And so I, I turned it on one day, and it wasn't very long. All of a sudden, it was cursing here, cursing there. And then all of a sudden, I was seeing this, and I confronted him about it. I said, you know what? You've got to do your best to walk away from that. Oh, it's okay. Everybody watches it. And so I started thinking about that. But what is it that's enticing me? You know, what is it that could be enticing? So I thought, you know what? Maybe this is something I can share. So here's what I want to close out with. Romans chapter 12. We know it. Verse 1, verse 2. I want you to listen to what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is the spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I want to thank you for the opportunity, as I mentioned, just to bring some thoughts that maybe you would consider. I think we'll have a, a song, a prayer, and a couple of songs. Thank you. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can. But thank you for connecting with us.